This is the Signs of the Times Commentary, a look at the world from around our kitchen table. So this week on the Signs of the Times podcast, we're going to talk once again about the London bombings because basically, the, as, our re, as our listeners will be aware, the London bombings are still very much in the news and there is a veritable deluge of propaganda being presented across the, the mainstream media uh, on an ongoing basis. And as a general rule, the, our, our weekly podcasts will be dictated, or the, the topics that we discuss will be dictated by the, what is in the mainstream news, um, although from time to time we will probably diverge a little bit to, to take a wider view of, of events as they are transpiring on the, on the planet. So as we've said in, in previous podcasts, the London bombings bear all the hallmarks of yet another what what has been termed a false flag operation, probably by either British intelligence, American intelligence, or Israeli intelligence, or a combination of all three. One of the questions that we want to deal with this week is what the possible ultimate goal or goals of such false flag terror operations are, specifically the ones that have occurred in recent years in the wider context of the ongoing war on terror and the war in Iraq and Afghanistan, and also the conflict in Israel and the occupied Palestinian territories. Well, if we look at the context within which the London bombings occurred, we know that Bush's popularity in the United States is decreasing and is at its lowest levels ever. We know that greater and greater numbers of Americans are questioning the wisdom of the folly in Iraq. All of the the many years of propaganda about the the need for the global war and terror seems to be losing some of its effect on the population. And so a bombing like, like that in London three weeks ago and then the attempt a week ago is like an electroshock to the population to uh, wake them up again to the very real fears, according to the powers that be, of the, the terrorist threat to get the chemicals running through their their bodies again so that they stop thinking and start having Pavlovian reactions. The point that Henry made about the London bombing essentially having a, an effect like a, an electric shock to the, to the general population, or perhaps better said it was a, a traumatization or a mass traumatization of the people, is, is very interesting in light of the events that have followed the London bombing. Or one, one story in particular was the... A few days ago, the the murder of Charles de Menezes, who was a Brazilian carpenter in London, actually on his way to work at the time, uh, was going by the tube. He was essentially murdered, shot seven times in the head as he lay on the floor of one of the tube trains. Uh, initially, the Metropolitan Police attempted to link him to the bombings in London and afterwards had to retract that because essentially that was untrue or, can we say, a lie because the guy was simply an innocent Brazilian living apparently legally also in, in, in London who was on his way to work. There were other comments by the Metropolitan Police that attempted to link him even after admitting that he, that he was not uh, in any way linked with the, with the London bombers that attempted to portray him as, uh, or as there being plausible, a plausible reason why the special forces uh, police officer shot him, saying that he was wearing a bulky jacket and carrying a backpack and that he refused to uh, answer or to, to respond to any calls by the police for him to stop. This was all 
initially publicised in the in the mainstream press, and then a few days later, um, his family came out and said that basically none of that was true. He was not wearing a bulky jacket, which supposedly could have been hiding a a, 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 a bomb, a suicide bomb, and he did not jump over the turnstiles and run away from police, but essentially complied with police instructions. Now the question remains then, first of all, why did the police lie about about these details? Uh, and it seems now that it was a deliberate lie to try and portray him as a, as, as a bomber or as a, as a suspected bomber. And ultimately, why did they execute him? Which ties back into what we were saying about the idea of traumatising the British public because the message, the clear message that was sent to the British public by, by this summary execution was that they all should be extremely afraid that this was not merely a case of a threat from Islamic bombers, but that subliminally they were being told that there was a very clear and present threat from their own police force and that they should all essentially toe the line or they may end up like the unfortunate Charles de Menezes. And just to close the case on the idea that the that the British government is in fact lying about the reality of the of the London bombings and their claim that they were carried out by four suicide bombers there was a report in a local UK newspaper from an eyewitness, a guy who was actually injured on the on one of the tubes that where one of the bombs exploded, and he told the press in an interview that he was standing right beside, basically buff, buffered against the explosion by a few people, and that when he came to after the explosion, uh, there was a paramedic beside him who was escorting him out of the tube, and the paramedic told him to be careful of the hole in the floor because that's where the bomb was in case he would fall into it or something. And the point that um, this eyewitness made quite clearly was that the floor of the of the train had been pushed upwards, that the metal was actually protruding up the ways. The only conclusion we can draw from this, and, and there is no other conclusion to draw, is that the bomb that exploded on that train was underneath the train. It was not in the backpack of any suicide bomber. Now, you can all look at the science page that is uh, that references uh, what we're talking about today to see that article. And that's rather interesting because of the Madrid bombings, where it was. It eventually came to light that in the Madrid train bombings on March 11th, 2004, that the the bombs on those trains were also inside the train. That it was not something carried on the train. That it was something that was installed underneath the the exactly, train in, yeah. in the undercarriage, Direct. and that that was that which which of course would tend to indicate that it was a rather professional operation, most likely beyond the scope of. Arab terrorists living in caves and something more along the lines of the CIA, Mossad, and agencies such as those. Another fact remarked by the same eyewitness who saw that the floor of the carriage had been blown inward was the fact that he had not noticed any sort of a sack or backpack or anything on the floor in that area prior to the bomb going off. He also had not seen anybody in the carriage that met the description of any of the four men who were accused later of being the so-called suicide bombers. Now, there's a lot of other detailed information that shows all the contradictions in the official line, and we don't have time to go into all of that today, but you can find all this information on the science pages, and you can look at it for yourself. Yeah, because one of the most important uh, points from a, gov- from a government point of view, it seems, is that they desire to fool the people uh, into into believing that the war on terror is real, um, and they certainly don't want to simply come out and make it completely obvious that that they are lying that the war on terror is real. Although they could do that, uh, which would essentially be an overt dictatorship in in the U.S. or, or Britain. But it seems that their their major concern is to 
is to carry on this 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 false notion of a, of a war on terror and of Islamic terror, uh, while at the same time maintaining the idea that that they are. Uh, a democratic government that is committed to democratic principles and freedom of speech and freedom of the press, et cetera, et cetera. And when the population gets complacent about the the war on terror, about the threat that's supposed to be there at any moment at any time? Obviously, the benefits of, of doing it that way, of fooling the population into believing one thing while something altogether is, 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 is occurring is that you maintain the consent of of the public because obviously if the public were to become aware of the lies that their governments tell and, and the real nature of of the war on terror and the uh, and the invasion of Iraq etc there may may well be large scale protests and demonstrations against the government which would more than likely be a, a serious headache if nothing else for for the government um, although that is not to say that at some stage in, the, in at some point in the future the the government will uh, resort to much more draconian uh, population control measures, but apparently that is not what the government at this point in time wants to see happen. That the idea that while they can still maintain the illusion of democracy, they will do that. At some point in the future, it may become impossible to do that because of the, the level of the lies and the, the scale of the deception, but at the moment, it seems that they believe that they can have these, they can maintain these two conflicting ideas that where they're fooling the people that the war on terror is real, uh, lying to the public on a, on a daily basis, but at the same time that they are a, a legitimate democracy. The image we come back to over and over again on the science page is that of the frog being boiled in water. And I don't know if this is scientifically correct or not, but you say that if you put the frog in the water and if you turn up the heat one degree at a time, then they get habituated and they don't notice that it's on the verge of boiling. And so they don't try to jump out. And this is the image we keep in mind when we look at all the measures that have been brought in since the so-called attacks of 9-11. The American people are being brought along step by step into a new fascism. Their rights are being removed one after another, but it's not being done in one fell swoop. It's being done one tiny step at a time so that people get used to it. And it might be useful for people listening to this to think back to the times prior to September 11th and try to imagine what life was like and really try to see for yourself in a more visceral way the differences in your life and the way you're able to move and communicate with people as you were four years ago. Yeah, well, people, particularly in America and in the UK and really in Europe and even around the world, may not uh, be aware of it. The fact is that prior to the election of Bush in 2000, um, there really wasn't the level of, of fear and, and the, the terror, essentially, that we all live under now. Um, since Bush has, has been elected, if you, if you draw that comparison, really, I mean, the entire world has been encompassed in this a black pall of, of fear and terror about this Islamic terror threat which, as we have proven and for which there is much evidence, is is almost 100% bogus. So even if we go back to what the situation was at the end of June or early July prior to the London bombings, we know that uh, the Downing Street memos had been released in the UK in early May. They didn't quite make it into the American news until sometime in June, and that was only because the Internet and the blogosphere had been focusing on them. 
So the administration was forced to have a reaction to that. At the same time, you had the Karl Rove affair that was kicking in, and the pressure was beginning to mount on the Bush administration. Much of that has been conveniently brushed aside by the whipping up of hysteria we see in New York. They're starting to search people's bags in the New York subway, and people just accept it. Yeah, in the news just the other day, there was uh, a story about in, in New York uh, where six Sikhs from Pakistan were essentially on holiday uh, visiting New York, and they were riding on a double-decker bus, on the upper level of a double-decker bus, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, <clears throat> essentially a, a SWAT team appeared, came onto the bus, grabbed them all, pulled them off the bus, made them kneel on Broadway, and tied their hands behind their backs. Uh, apparently there were also, some of them at least had some backpacks and that was justification enough. They were they were not American, they were of broadly Middle Eastern, although Pakistan isn't part of the Middle East, but for most of Americans it probably is. Um, they were of, of, of Middle Eastern or, or foreign origin, essentially non, non-white, and that was enough to for the authorities to decide that they were a threat, which really is a very sad indictment on on the times that we live in. and and the stage that we have actually got to. And then following the bombings in the UK, the Blair government is reintroducing the idea of the biometric ID cards. Yeah, I mean, that was was something that was... that Blunkett, the now ex, um, essentially Homeland Security Minister in the UK, uh, had been trying to push through, push that legislation through for biometric ID cards for all UK citizens for for quite some time and he had been meeting a lot of uh, resistance from other opposition MPs and all it took simply was this uh, terror attack in London and everyone essentially just shut up. There was no more debate about it. It was going to happen and that was the end of the story. Now you've got to ask yourself in that kind of a situation, did the, do these terror attacks in London have or could they have anything to do with this uh, legislation that, that the Blair government were attempting to railroad through through Parliament and in fact, it's interesting that a personal experience of mine was that I was talking to someone in Ireland recently who I, I certainly wouldn't have thought was any kind of a conspiracy theorist, just an average guy. He was a doctor, actually, and he just basically came up to me. I, I know him, and he came up to me, and we were just chatting, and out of the blue, he asked me what I thought of the London bombings. And I just kind of shrugged, said, I don't know, you know, not wanting to give away too much. And he, unsolicited, just offered the idea that, in fact, it was the Americans that did it. And his rationale for for such a viewpoint was that it came the day that the G8 leaders were to announce their plan for the alleviation of African poverty and, and third world debt. And as we all know, that uh, story or that, that issue was immediately removed from the headlines. And to date, we have heard nothing more about it. Again, you've got to ask yourself, is that a coincidence that the London bombings happened on that very day? And another aspect is the fomenting of the hatred against Muslims. There was a report in a British paper last week that said that two-thirds of British Muslims had considered leaving Britain in the wake of the London bombings, feeling that they would be more secure back in their, their countries of origin. That shows that the propaganda on the part of state terrorism is having an effect. It's working. And we also saw, which is related to this, a shift in the last week in the terminology used by the Bush administration in describing what they think is going on in the world where 
where the term the global war on terror is now being supplanted by other terms such as a global struggle against the enemies of freedom, uh, the global struggle against the enemies of civilization. At the same time, we saw people in Britain overwhelmingly saying that the bombings were related to the British presence in Iraq and Blair's support for Bush. So you have the bombings as a response to the British presence in Iraq, and Blair has been doing everything in his power now to say, no, it's got nothing to do with that. It's these vague things such as they don't like our freedoms, and now the the propaganda terminology is being opened up to permit the targets to move from those countries who are in Iraq to any civilized or freedom-loving country in the world. Yeah, that's an interesting point because, you know, the, the, the salient question in all this is what if, if these terrorists do actually exist, which of course we believe they do not, at least in the way that they are portrayed by the government, but if these terrorists exist, what exactly do they want? I mean, are they attacking America, attacking Britain, attacking Spain and other countries around the world because they have some grievance with these countries? Or is it that, as Bush says, as, as the Bush administration says, they simply hate freedom and democracy, which is a rather absurd assertion to make. Especially when the government's response is to curtail those very freedoms and eliminate the democracy. And those who support Bush are trying to pass a law to allow him to have a third term. Yeah, there's the Patriot Act and the various other legislation that was passed, which basically seriously curtails the civil rights of, of American citizens. So one would have to suggest, and one could reasonably, reasonably suggest, that if this is the agenda of the terrorists, then Bush and his administration are essentially serving that agenda. So before moving on, let's recap on some of the major points that we've made so far. The first is that the London bombings serve to drive in the point that Muslim terror is real, in that we see the ideas being promoted that these Muslim people are completely crazy and they'll do anything whatsoever. There's nothing rational about it. They're somehow less than human and we're all in a danger and so we need to go wipe them all out. This then garners support for the continued war on terror, which is the second point. And the war on terror then justifies the control measures that the powers that be are bringing in all over the world. I mean, it's furthest along at the moment in the United States. We see that it's now progressing quite steadily in the U.K., and we're certain that these measures will be brought in in other countries over the next few months and years. All of this is related to Israel, and we see that society in the Western countries is taking on characteristics of what we see happening in Israel. The murderer in the UK who shot down Menezes in last week was trained in Israel. But then we might ask, why are these control measures being brought in? Is it simply around the war on terror, or are there other deeper reasons that the mainstream media and even most of the alternative media are ignoring? Yeah, it's, um, we should remember the fact that the nature of the what we might call the control system in the world, essentially, um, that involves many of the Western governments and essentially most of the governments of the world is hierarchical. So that the, the agenda at the very top of the pyramid, of the hierarchical pyramid, is not necessarily the same agenda that is understood by people below that. And we're talking here at about at the level of government. So a government may actually believe that it is fulfilling certain uh, goals or aims where the reality of the situation is that they are simply 
being duped to fulfill a, a goal by those essentially who are higher. They're pawns in a higher strategy. Now we are aware that this idea that governments are not the, the be-all and end-all of the control and the, the power here um, on the planet and in the various countries around the world, we're aware that idea might be somewhat strange or might be seem a little implausible to a lot of people, but we have to realize that um, that the people, certainly the people in uh, the, the, the public face of government is not the real driving force uh, behind any of the policies or the, or the laws that are passed. There, I mean, it doesn't take a genius to realize that there are many, many people behind the public uh, faces of government who are the real people who dictate policy and they are people that we never really get to know. We, we don't know their names, we don't know who they are and they probably like it that way because obviously it serves as, in terms of immunity for them if anything ever were to come out. So what might there be in terms of an of a, of a ultimate agenda uh, that really has not been talked about and is rarely ever talked about uh, in terms of a, a, a rationale for this war on terror? People have talked about that it's a war for oil, essentially, that the, that the US and the British governments are careening around the world, um, overthrowing governments uh, as, a, as a way to essentially increase their personal profit and their personal wealth and, and power and control. So regarding governments and the potential government behind the government, one thing we should note is related to an article we had on the Science page. Uh, it's an article from the Miami Herald dated July 25th, and that article is Ghosts of the 1915 U.S. Invasion Still Haunt Haiti's People. And the article talks about how in the wake of President Woodrow Wilson's commitment to make the world safe for democracy, which, you know, that that sounds kind of familiar, the Marines landed in Haiti and shut down the press, installed a lame duck government, rewrote the Constitution to give foreigners control of the land, and they took charge of banks, customs, instituted what amounts to slavery, and in 1919, U.S. Marines ambushed and killed uh, the resistant, resistance group's leader, uh, mutilated his corpse, and displayed it in a public square for days. And finally, a Haitian gendarmerie was trained to replace the U.S. Marines, and they proceeded to organize coups and terrorize Haitians for decades. So here we see that even back in the early 1900s, the U.S. government was engaged in this sort of very real terrorist activity against the people of other nations, just as they are today. And the same is true of pretty much every other Western country, and in fact most nations at one point or another have been using terror, demonizing a certain group of people, and this is not necessarily something new. We had communism and the red, you know, the reds are out to get us, and I mean that was a big thing. Yeah, really what you're talking about in terms of that Haiti story is that um, what we see there is evidence of what has been called the military-industrial complex, which is certainly part of the, the, the secret government, as it's, as, it's, as it's called, where the big business in, in Western nations have been using the military of those countries as their hired guns to go around to overthrow democratically elected uh, governments uh, in places that they have designs upon and to, as in the case of Haiti, to, to, to take control of the country and take control of the government, uh, very often installing a, a, a proxy government and passing laws that then allow um, American businesses to freely um, involve themselves in the, in the economic affairs of that country and essentially pillage and plunder the wealth of those countries. So this is certainly one of the 
motivating factors behind governments, behind government policies and really behind um, many military campaigns um, over the past 100 years, many of which have been essentially made up upon false pretenses. Uh, the public are told one thing as to why the country is going to war, but the real reasons why the country are going to war are altogether different. And, of course, now you have, of course, first the 7-7 bombings, and then when the British people began to uh, continue to question the, the, the Blair government, there were the, the second round of bombings on uh, 7-21, which to this point have been used to great benefit, of course, by Tony Blair, but also by uh, the Bush Reich. Uh, ABC News had their exclusive photographs of the bombs that they found uh, and the uh, photographs from inside the train, one of the trains that was blown up on July 7th. Okay, so if we were to go one level again above that, and again at this point in time we are hypothesizing about the possible ultimate reasons or one of, let's not say ultimate, but maybe the the super secret, let's say, reasons uh, for the war on terror and for the, the current uh, state of the world, essentially. We have the fake Islamic terror threat, which leads to clampdowns on civil civil rights and um, you know f- the various freedoms that Western peoples have come to hold so dear. Uh, we have these clampdowns by, by government. So what, other than the reasons that we've already specified, could be another possible reason as to, as to why this is happening. Yeah, because it's it's rather interesting that since countries around the world have conducted these secret operations in, in their, the military-industrial complex, taking over other countries, taking over the economies, that this has been done for decades, if not centuries, and, and now it all seems to be coming to a head where all the governments of the world are working together regardless of what the, the people say and... So obviously there must be some very good reason behind this because why all the cooperation, why all the control, why all the fear? Certainly it leads us to conclude that there is possibly something upcoming that um, certain governments are aware of um, and that all of these strictures that are now being put in in place that uh, have not been put in place are certainly now being put in place in a more extreme way than they have over the past 100 years when all of this was actually going on, all of these false flag terror operations and war for profit have been going on for a long time. Certainly now it seems to have been ramped up quite a bit, but the question is why Why now? Why is this happening at this specific point in time and why is the added element of clamping down on social freedoms occurring? And obviously this something that is the real reason for the war on terror must be a whole hell of a lot bigger than the war on terror itself, which, if you think about, is is kind of a scary proposition. Indeed, the war, the very idea of a war on terror is somewhat ridiculous, or, or rather, the idea of a war on terrorism, because what is terrorism? Terrorism is simply a tactic used by people throughout the ages to, to combat oppressive regimes or to fight against enemies. It's simply a, a way of fighting. It's, it's a form of, of, of resistance or, or combat. So how, do you, how, how is Bush going to stamp that out? How does Bush propose to stamp out such a, a concept rather than, rather than something that is actually tangible or real or something physical? Which brings us to something that, has, that our, our regular readers of the science page will, will be aware of uh, on our science pages over the past uh, several years. Quite often towards the bottom, uh, the simple fact is that over the past two or three years there has been a, certainly a marked increase in the number of meteorite comet and bolide, if you want to call them that, sightings and impacts uh, all around the globe. 
and we have collected a science supplement on this to just give you an idea of really how many of, of these space rocks have been shooting through our skies and impacting the planet and really none of the no one seems to be concerned about it the mainstream press certainly don't seem to care or don't seem to be joining any of the dots and saying uh, perhaps something is up maybe uh, should we should we be concerned about this which then leads us into a lot of the research that Laura Knight Yadchik has conducted uh, all of it collated into her book The Secret History of the World and How to Get Out Alive which is available uh, at our bookstore at qfgpublishing.com. And in the book, Laura really traces, the essentially, as as the title would suggest, it is a, a history of the world, but it's the real history of the world. And Laura painstakingly uh, researches m- into many, many disciplines to, to collate her, uh, her analysis and the information presented in the book. The central thesis of Laura's book is the idea that the Earth, our own dear planet, has in the past gone through, on many occasions, cyclical catastrophes, uh, where essentially almost all or certainly a large proportion of the planet um, is destroyed, including the people on it. Uh, Now, there's a lot of hard evidence that backs up this thesis, from tree ring analysis, ice core analysis, uh, archaeological proof, And, of course, we wonder if this might not be one of the things or certainly be a partial explanation uh, to our or a partial answer to our question that we just posed as to what is the ultimate uh, secret or the ultimate objective of this entire war on terror and the strictures uh, that are being imposed on, on societies all around the globe. If you look around what's going on on the planet in the weather reports that are coming in from all over the globe over the last few years, there have been... There was a a horrible heat wave and drought in Europe two years ago. The United States is facing that now. There have been floods in Asia, hurricanes. There's just all sorts of weird weather going on. And if you talk to any farmer, they can tell you that things have changed over the last few decades, and it's not been for the better. So we can see in our own experience that there are significant changes going on, even if George Bush is telling us that we still need to have more data to know whether global warming and climate change is a fact or not. And there was even a a Pentagon report that outlined how in the coming years, of course, their projections were a little bit more generous, and they were talking about, I think, 10 or 20 years down the road. But but this is something that that even the Pentagon is, is quite concerned about, and they were talking in this report about uh, the glacial rebound, uh, Europe being covered, uh, the, the basically the return of the Ice Age, uh, Europe, much of Europe would be covered in ice, there would be food shortages, basically all hell is going to break loose. And, basically and, and they this said was, that, the, that the future wars would all be fought for water. And that in fact this would be more, a bigger issue obviously than, than even the war on terrorism. Yes, of course. And, and that was actually the, the fact that this will, the climate change would be even more important than the war on terrorism was in fact a comment that was made in the report. So certainly it seems even by the, the Pentagon's analysis and even by the Pentagon uh, think tanks, it certainly seems that the future here on the planet is not at all rosy. Needless to say, um, in the event that a comet or a meteorite were to impact uh, or, or a series or, or many com- comets or meteorites were to impact the, the Earth, um, this would cause not a little bit of chaos. 
societies would probably fall apart, economies would would crash and crumble, and there would be serious, you know, problems with with food distribution and water, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All of it leading to serious social chaos. Um, so. It is possible, and it is our hypothesis at the minute, that um, part of the reason for these social strictures and controls uh, that are being placed uh, in terms of the war on terror, in fact, have an altogether different, or may well have an altogether different uh, reason behind them. We're not going to go into this subject too much at this stage. In fact, we're going to probably just end it there. But uh, we'd just like to let our listeners know that next week we more than likely will be delving further into into what we've just been speaking about um, and you will all surely be pleased to hear that we will be interviewing uh, Laura Knight-Yachik next week. Uh, Laura has a, a wealth of, of information and uh, knowledge on, on these subjects and she w- she's planning to uh, entertain you all with, with many details and uh, interesting points and observations. Lorna Yajic is the author of several books, including The Secret History of the World and How to Get Out Alive, which Joe mentioned, and also High Strangeness, uh, which is a book about hyperdimensional realities and the phenomenon of quote-unquote alien abductions, which is a widely discussed but little understood phenomenon. And all those books are available at qfgpublishing.com. So since we'll be interviewing Laura next week, if you have any questions for her, be sure to send them to our email address, and you can find that on our website at www.signsofthetimes.org. And don't forget the dashes. So thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week.